and I'm Rami, and this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about interesting things we've read, or heard, or lived and experienced <laughs> to help us all expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy without a whole new degree. I, I am so excited for this set of two episodes, so we'll have a part one and a part two, and the reason I'm excited is twofold the first one is less exciting the second one is much more exciting we have our first guest today what? semi-exciting part <laughs> the really exciting part is that it's nate it's <laughs> shannon's partner hi everybody <laughs> that's that's nate's normal twang yeah exactly <laughs> i can't i can't keep that up throughout the whole episode don't, please don't don't please yeah. don't please don't <laughs> So yeah, this is going to be fun. We're going to have a little bit of, what are we calling this, partners in work? Yeah, yeah. So this was born out of a lot of people asking us a lot of questions on Instagram around, like, how do you manage work with in a relationship, like when you're in a relationship with someone? So, you know, I asked Nate if he would come on today and discuss it. Real, real life. How do we navigate this? I love it. Nate, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'll preemptively apologize if (laughs) this goes astray, but we're going to do this. It's going to be fun. Can I just get a few pieces of background for everybody? You guys are married. You've been married for some amount of time. Let's see if you know. (laughs) Uh, It it will be 14 years by the time this episode is released. 14 years, yeah. Shannon did know. I feel like Nate is the one who knows these things, and Shannon's the one who's like doing the math very quickly. Generally speaking. You guys have a child. We do. We have a seven-and-a-half-year-old daughter named Talia. Yep. And Nate, you are not a coach. I am not. I am... Um... My my lovely wife uh, often tells me that I am uncoachable. <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out. He's yeah. I remember when I was practice coaching and I needed to practice coach with him, and it was just like this is harder than anything. I don't recommend trying to coach your spouse, but we may talk about that a little bit later yeah. in the episode. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So what what do you do for work? Uh, I actually work at uh, Best Buy uh, at our corporate headquarters here in. In, uh, Minneapolis or in Richfield, Minnesota. I've been there for a little over 20 years. Uh, what? Yeah, I know. Over half my life, wow. uh, which is uh, pretty cool and, and also a little strange to say at the same time. I know it's not a normal thing uh, in today's day and age, but uh, I've got an awesome team uh, of about uh, 15 to 20 people uh, working on operations uh, inside some of uh, our membership programs. And so... It's uh, it's a fun space, and I've had a lot of a lot of different, I would say, mini careers at Best Buy, uh, which has been really fun and really cool. And obviously, people know what I do. I'm a coach. Yes, Shannon's <laughs> Who coach, and Rami is just a question asker for today. <laughs> um, let's start with a few fun questions, and then let's get into some real things. So, I guess I can lay the groundwork here. So, we'll have two episodes this week. We'll talk about communication and transitions. And then next week, we'll talk about every day and then the big questions. And I'm going to throw some fun questions in just to keep us uh, on our toes. So can I ask who made the first move? Yeah. Shannon. I did. I guess technically we met online and I reached out to him first. 
Took yeah. me a little while to get back to her. It did. That was annoying. In my defense, I had just moved states. <laughs> I, did you I, move from the the Ohio God. state? I, I did move from Columbus, Ohio, uh, and yes, I am a graduate of uh, Ohio State University. I, I do you didn't not, even say it right. I you have to say it. We're all waiting. I'm not so. This is the thing. It's I, trademarked. I like it is, but only for like apparel use now. Um, <laughs> Which is still kind of outrageous. I know it is. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not that. I, I don't view myself as that pretentious. Uh, so I don't know. It. It, it doesn't. Uh, it's not a big deal for me. Well, I was born on the Ohio State's campus, so I'll say, I don't think I'll I say that. that. I didn't know. That I will say that the yeah, I'm from Columbus. I, I, but I lived still, in there are other hospitals. Four weeks. I was born in <laughs> Riverside. Four okay. weeks. Wow. Wow. Had to get out. <laughs> okay, Shannon made the first move. I like this. Who was the first to declare their love? I'm I'm assuming that had to have been you. Yeah, I'm sure it was me. I move a... quick, man. Enneagram three all the way. Next step, please. Zero patience. <laughs> uh, who plans more elaborate date nights? You. Yeah, I would say that's probably me. Nate, for sure. He is right. currently our family fun captain and, like, I would say our couple date captain. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're fewer and farther between now that, you know, we have a child. Uh, but yes, yes. We, we do try to try to get out and have some fun and have nice dinners and go to different theater events or plan some some staycation weekends like we had uh, a couple of weeks ago which was nice yeah nice um okay well let's get into it let's get into communication so how do you navigate times slash communication when one of you is falling into old or bad habits i want you to go first on this one because i feel like <laughs> this is more apt to happen like where you need to communicate to me that I'm losing sight of something. Sure. Um, for me, I think it, it often takes the form of starting with either questions or, or kind of soft observations, right? Like it's, uh, hey, are you sure you want to be doing that? Or is that the best thing for us to be doing right now? Or, uh, you know, why are you thinking about that? Or I always feel like starting with a question um, softens the conversation to a point where you can actually get the other person engaged a little bit more. Um, I don't know if it necessarily works. I guess you'll tell me here in just a minute. Uh <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to hear your answer because I feel like you I feel like you learned a few things from my coaching practice over the years because I would say that's a very coach approach to start with asking questions or to share an observation, but like in a really like loving lighthearted way like hey noticing you're drinking more soda than you used to be that one's real and directed <laughs> at me this, this episode is sponsored no, i'm kidding <laughs> no, it's not sponsored. i was really hoping you'd pull out a mountain dew i feel like mountain dew is like the minnesota i am morning meeting yeah i'm not a i'm not a i'm not a coffee guy i'm not a mountain dew guy i'm a dr pepper guy so and it matches your shirt it's perfect I, that was completely by accident <laughs> We know that we know that Nate's a pepper. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I don't know. I think that's the two things that come to mind: like sharing a nice, loving observation, but then following it up with a question like, "What are you noticing?" We do the same thing with our child, honestly, where it'll be like, 
or or it can be expressing a feeling like I'm feeling frustrated. How are you feeling in this moment? Yeah. To model it a little bit. Or in the case of a seven year old, I'm noticing that you're frustrated right now. <laughs> what's what's causing yeah. that? Yeah. So it's really like um, almost first starting with letting asking the question to see if they'll get there. And then if they don't tell them in a loving way, what you're kind of starting to sense in them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think tying it back to something that you know that they care about. I would say for us, this probably comes up in parenting more than anything right Mm -hmm. now of just like, uh, I know that Nate really cares about being a great dad and he knows that I really care about being a great mom. And so it's like making sure that anything like I, I, I gave the Dr. Pepper thing as a joke. I wouldn't nitpick him on his Dr. Pepper habits. Like he doesn't give a shit about that right now, and I don't give a <laughs> shit about that right now. So it's like pick your battles a little bit and make mm-hmm. sure that if you are wanting to communicate on something that's a quote bad habit or old habit, it's something that actually matters to them or to you. But I would say especially to yeah. them. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, if it's if it's something where uh, something more serious, right? If I was if I had problems with alcohol or drugs or mm-hmm. things like that. I think that that takes a bit of a different tone or tenor yeah. um, where it's more coming from a place of concern. Yeah. Um, but I still think you can use a lot of the same methodologies. It's just you, you might jump to, um, you know, more blunt or, or frank conversation a little faster when things are a little more dire. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> thankfully, we don't have to worry about that as much. No. Um, I like that. And it's, it's, it's really about supporting your partner in the things that they're focused on and making sure that you're helping them keep their focus on those things. But if it's not something they're focused on and it's not detrimental, then who really cares? Yeah. Well, it's, I think there's also a, a little bit of an adage in there around, um, someone has to want help in order to be able to receive help. Right. And so mm-hmm. you got to you got to tell a really fine line, I think, in, in that situation. If if it's not something that I care about, I'm not going to be really open to hearing anything about it. Um, if I am, then, OK, it's going to go a little bit easier, a little bit better. Yeah. So how let me ask this next question, then how would you approach a, your partner uh, when you see that work may be impacting their health? Oh man, I, I, I think that you can still do that um, in kind of the same way. It, it ends up being, uh, I think, a more gradual conversation over time, um, right? It's uh, we had this conversation many times uh, with <laughs> with uh, with some of your previous careers, uh, where you know I would notice things like being at work for crazy late hours. Um, and I would start with, you know, more expressing my personal feelings on it, um, and starting from that place to sort of make sure that Shannon understood the impact. Um, thankfully it was at a point in time where it was just the two of us, we didn't have kids. Um, and so it wasn't, you know, it's not like I was being left with a, you know, a massive burden or anything. It was just trying to communicate, Hey, like, I'd like to see it and don't know that it's really all that great that you're spending 12 hours at work a day, five days a week. Um, and then, you know, at other points in time, it was seeing her be emotionally distraught 
by yeah. the things that were happening at work and just like first and foremost being there for her in those moments right because that's really tough um and then when there were opportunities or more um sort of neutral or calmer moments to to actually have an honest conversation about what was going on i could bring up the fact like hey you came home crying from work three times last week like is that really the like is that really what you want is that is the, you know, is the pro on the other side of that con really worth it? Um, and then you can start having kind of some of the same conversations. I don't know if any uh, of that was helpful. I love you so much. I appreciate <laughs> you so much. And like, that's all legit, right? I think the listeners know by now I'm a recovering work addict. And so what he's, the the circumstance that he's describing or remembering is when I was heading towards the end of my corporate career, right? And like, I was for sure having work issues that were impacting my health. I think another thing that Nate did so beautifully in that time is you, one, gave me a lot of space to process my feelings and emotions. I think I was, if we go back to some past episodes, I was in a doldrums place. But then two, like you gave me, I was thinking about this, I was getting ready for this episode this morning. You gave me a sense of hope. Like you, you articulated to me a different vision that you had for my life. Even if it was just as simple as, I remember you always saying to me, I just want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. And having your partner say to you over and over again, when you're going through something like really challenging at work, like, I just want you to be happy. And I want you to know, like, it's possible for you to be happy and that your happiness is worth a lot to me. Um, that did so much more for me than if Nate had gotten too deep into action planning at that stage of the game. If Nate had been like, so let's problem solve this. So when are you going to quit your job? So when are you going to tell your boss that he's a shithead or whatever it was like, none of that would have been effective. What was effective was him taking time to listen, was him taking time to make observations that I was so past the point of self-awareness to see, right. For him to say to me, uh, and we were talking about this just recently yeah. where I was like, I don't think I was crying as much as you think I was. And he was yep. like, yes, no, yes. babe, you were. Yeah. You were. You were miserable. So making sure that like they're in a place, though, where they're able to hear those observations. Yeah. And, and the problem solver mode is uh, definitely one that I am guilty of. Uh- <laughs> How human of all of us. Me too. Um, so it's. It, it is sometimes difficult but important to stay in the space of just, like, being in it with you yeah. and helping you understand what's happening before we start jumping to, okay, so what are we going to do next? Um, but even that can be delicate, right? Because I, don't, I, I never wanted you to feel like you were out on an island, like you had to figure out what to do by yourself. It yeah. was just a matter of sort of timing and sequencing the conversation. Yeah. I like this and I want to hold a little bit because I want to talk about this in the transition piece. So we'll get to more questions there because I think we're starting to hit transitions. Yeah. Um, How do you guys find time to communicate when life is super, super busy on days when you've got two packed schedules, the kid has a packed schedule and you're basically just both running to to accomplish your day? Yeah, I think right now the times when we communicate the best are after Talia's in bed. Yeah. So sometimes it means sacrificing sleep, but Nate knows that one of my favorite things is Nate is a night owl. And he knows that one of my favorite things is when he comes upstairs to bed early, 
like, or he'll come into the bed bedroom right after we've put Talia to bed and he'll like lay on the bed facing, like I'll be in a bed the right way. And he goes in the bed the wrong way. So we can look at each other and we can just mm-hmm. have conversation. Um, and that's, that's when I feel like we make the most time for it. And it yeah. might mean I stay up until 11 o'clock that night and we're just like talking through some stuff, which wouldn't be my preference from a sleep schedule wise, but it is my preference in terms of making time to yeah. talk even with a young child. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's probably the biggest one. And I would also say we, we try to be communicative even in little ways throughout the course of the day. Right. Like, Sometimes we'll, and this is not an everyday thing, but like one necessary, if I'm feeling in a particularly stressful state with work, or if you're having a particularly rough day, we will literally text one another and just be like, Hey, weather report, like this is what you're going to be coming home to. Like, okay, cool. Like I can at least get myself, you know, get my head mentally wrapped around that or, or get, um, emotionally prepared for the conversation that's likely to come later on today, tonight, uh, whatever. Um, and, and I know we've got this as a topic for the second episode, but we also do some monthly check-ins. Yeah. Um, we're going to save that but for we're gonna, episode two. We're going to save that for later. Um, that's another place where, where we do get to, to talk a fair amount about what's going on and, and how we're feeling about things. And then I'm thinking about other ways that we've gotten creative. Like we'll make time, like this is one thing that I thank COVID for, Nate works from home now three days a week. He's back in the office. So it can be nice sometimes. Like, can you find a way to like have 20 minutes to have lunch together if something is blowing up that you need some time to process? Or I can remember a lot of times us sitting in the car at the bus stop waiting to pick up our child. If Nate had a particularly stressful or eventful day at work and it gives us just a little bit of time before the kid comes home to process a little bit. I love that. Um, you guys kind of touched on it, but how do you address being affected by stress brought home from a partner's work? I think it's similar to some of the tactics we've already talked about. One is making the observation. So, and I feel like this has happened recent, maybe not very recently, but in the past couple of months about yeah. your work. But just well, like yeah, it's been a particularly interesting time at work for me. Yeah, it has been. <laughs> I think that's safe to say. And so, just offering the observation of like, hey, I'm noticing you're really stressed out, or Actually, I think I did this recently for you where we were, Nate was having to take a lot of time off of work for some family stuff that we had going on. And I remember asking you, like, are you starting to feel stressed about that? Do you need extra time to try to get it all done a little bit? Um, so just being in constant communication. God, yeah. we sound like... Well, I think it's... I think Beat there's, the dead horse. No. Communicate with your partner. It, it truly is incredibly important. Um, and as a philosophy major, believe me, I know the importance of talking. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think the other part is just it's mindfulness, right? Like mm-hmm. being aware of not just your own stuff, but also the stuff in your family or the stuff from your partner. And being willing to to make statements like that like hey i know you've got a lot going on do you need extra time even if i don't which if i recall correctly i was like no i'm good yeah um the simple offer and the acknowledgement of hey i know you have a lot going on can make you feel seen and understood in a way that you know a reaction to you saying hey i need more time and your partner going 
okay, cool. Well, then I guess I'll, you know, deal with this or I'll go pick Talia up or whatever. Like now it becomes more of a tactical conversation. So communication is certainly a big part, but I think mindfulness is also a really big, really big element too. Yeah. And if I'm reading this question again, it's making me think of like a different scenario. So how to address when, when you're being affected by the negative stress that they're bringing home, you know? So what comes to mind here is more like the target days for me, how did you handle it then? I think it's, I still think it's a lot of the same stuff, right? It's, it's making the same observations. It's, I mean, going back to the conversation we just had, right? It's, Hey, you came home crying three nights last week. Like, let's talk about that. Or, Hey, you know, you're working long days. I'm feeling like things are getting a little inequitable or like, you know, you're not picking up my phone or my phone calls when I call you or text you. Like, can, can we talk about that? Right. So I think it's still the same uh, at its core. It's still a lot of the same principles. It's just framing it more in terms of like how I'm feeling or how it's impacting me as opposed to just about the other individual. Yes. I think the other thing I remember Nate doing at that time was, vulnerably saying, Hey, I can't take all this on right now. I want to encourage you to go get help, which was a really big thing to say and do, you know, and, and I'll hear that sometimes from clients who reach out to me and they're like, I need to give my husband a break or I need to give my wife a break because I cannot keep expecting them to be my therapist or my coach as I'm working through this shitty situation at work. So, and that takes a lot of vulnerability to yeah. say that to your partner or to encourage your partner to go get help. Yeah. And I think there's also just being clear on what kind of situation are you in or what kind of thing do you need? Right. Like, Hey, I just need to vent right now. Right. Like, Oh yeah. That's or, a thing we'll do too. <laughs> or Hey, like I really need some help figuring this out. Um, and that setting that tone or tenor for the conversation can make a world of difference. And how it goes. Being very clear before you even start the talking time. (laughs) No, really, I don't need your opinions. I just need a vent. Right. Right. And I need you to agree. I feel like that's what my wife says. She's like, I need to vent, and then I need you to agree with me. There's sometimes that that is like just an understood. (laughs) (laughs) I'm obviously teasing. But are you? Um, I mean, a little bit. But the, you know, like every joke, there's there's a there's a crumb there's a crumb of, of truth yeah. in there. <laughs> um, so let's get into transitions because I think we're basically there. Um, yeah. And you guys were kind of touching on this, but we talked about how you support a partner who's not happy at work. But what about when they're not sure where to go or what what how to fix it? Sure. I guess. So let's go back to my many career transitions. <laughs> wonder why I'm now a transition coach because I had to transition a lot. What comes to mind for you when I left Granger or when I left Target? Um, I think for me, it, if I had to root it all the way back to one particular statement or sentiment, it was my unwavering desire for you to just be happy. Yes. Like if, if I had to root it in anything, it was all based out of I just want you to be happy because I know that if you're happy, everything else in life will be easier, right? Like, and I don't mean that like 
I don't mean that in a sense of like, oh, well, like if you're miserable, then I have to be miserable. Like it's just generally speaking, we are, we are a couple, right? Like we are partners in life. And if 50% of your partnership is struggling with something, it's going to make everything else harder. Um, So, you know, I'm a pragmatist. So if, if you're happy, then it's going to naturally make our life easier and, you know, all the other problems can be solved, right? Financial problems, those can be solved. Um, you know, th- that that type of stress is is less concerning because there's there's other answers to those problems. But if you're miserable, there's not like that becomes a problem that is very difficult to solve any other way yeah. um, than to put you in a position where you are happy and, and are getting what you want from life, work, whatever it is. Yeah, and I think like practically speaking, how you can support them in that and how you supported me was like any possibility I came to him with, he was like, yep, we can make that work. You wanna quit your job tomorrow? We'll figure out a way to make that work. You wanna go work on the farm for a while? You wanna, like, there, you guys, the crazy ideas, right? I thought I was gonna be a dog walker. He was like, yep, we can make that work. Barista? Barista, I was like, I'd rather be at Starbucks. That's how I can tell now when a client is really at the lowest of the lows because they're like, I'd be happy to go take a job basically doing anything but what I'm doing now. Then you know it's bad. Um, So I think the ways in which you supported me by just reassuring that we could figure anything out and then giving me space, right? Either if he could do it, space to talk it out, or if he was at capacity and he felt like he couldn't, encouraging me to go get a therapist, to go get a coach, whatever, to support myself in thinking it through. Talk to your mom, talk to Talk your to siblings. my mom, talk to my sister, to, to help me find a way to be happier. Yeah. And encouraging me to pursue things that, if we go back to some of the, the cocooning episode that we recorded, right? some of the things that are critical to cocooning, anything that he did to encourage my restoration. So like, Hey, maybe you should go for a bike ride right now. Maybe you should go to a coffee shop. Do you want to go to a coffee shop this Saturday? I can take Talia, whatever it might be, or encouraging my reflection, you know, by asking questions. Yeah. And I think for me, like, again, going back to the, the happiness thing, there's two types of world, two types of problems in the world, those that can be solved and those that aren't worth solving, right? Like if, if, if a problem isn't worth solving, then cool. Don't waste your time talking about it. Clearly anything with your partner, it's worth solving, right? Like there's, there's value there in that relationship. And, you know, presumably you want to want to, um, retain that and make it the best it possibly can be. So cool. You want to go be a dog walker? Great. Let's talk about what that might look like. You want to go be a barista at the Caribou block down the street? Awesome. Like, let's talk about the impacts of that. It's It just becomes a, a, a conversation around thought experiments, really. And I think that that helps everybody as a part of the conversation understand and and wrap their head around what are the implications and what does this really mean? And, and are we all arm in arm walking into this next chapter, whatever it may be? together and on the same page. Which is maybe a good segue into the next question. Because when Uh, you become a barista or a dog walker and you were previously a senior manager at Target, you take a pay cut. Yeah, so how do you do that? Or when you go work on the family farm. Or go work on the family farm. 
work on the family farm, all of which would result in a pay cut. <laughs> but even someone like saying, okay, here's my here's my side hustle and I want to make that a reality. Yes. Mm-hmm. And now that it it's not just supplemental income and it's one of our sole incomes, how do you go about navigating those waters? How did we go about navigating those waters? <laughs> <laughs> A lot of talking, um, and I am very grateful in that um, I have a wonderful, loving wife and an amazing CFO <laughs> who uh, manages all of our finances and is uh, has been incredible at, at thinking through and being really mindful about where are we putting our money, what are we doing with our money, and what can we do with our money. Um, and you know, let's look at the inflow. Let's look at the outflow. And you sometimes you got to make changes and you got to make sacrifices, right? It it becomes more about um, cooking at home as opposed to eating out, or uh, you know, you've you've got uh, less less discretionary income to spend on things that might seem more frivolous or fun uh, type type stuff. So yeah. yeah, I think when we so I. As listeners may remember, I left Target without a plan. I went from making literally six figures to making nothing. Um, And so in terms of how we prepared for that, I gave a two-month notice to buy us some time to figure some things out. That also meant like basically saving as much money as I possibly could um, in that short amount of time. And then for us, it was really about like... I say us, but really this was me and then Nate was informed later because I am the CFO of our family. <laughs> it was me racking and stacking the budget and saying like, okay, what's most essential, what's least essential, or um, like I encourage people who do this on a, when they're not on a fixed income, you know, when they have variable income, like make a variable income budget, like spending priority one, two, three, four, five, and then however much money you have, like how deep does that get you in the list? And then the stuff mm-hmm. below that list gets cut off. So practically that meant We had a house cleaner when I worked at Target. We got rid of the house cleaner. We had a dog walker. We got rid of the dog walker. I became the dog walker. We used to shop at the fancy grocery stores for our groceries. I went back to shopping at Aldi for our groceries when I quit my job. We used to eat out a lot. I I cooked at home a lot in that first year, couple years, frankly, when I, after I quit my job. So yeah, I hope that's like some practical tips well and i think the other one and and you don't i think take enough credit for this but uh another big one in that thinking forward is doing your best to stay out of debt uh yeah like being in a position where we didn't have car payments um or uh you know massive amounts of credit card debt or you know loans or or student loans or whatever like having all of those things out of the way makes any transition easier because you have you're you're less beholden financially to some other company some other organization some other person whatever it is and so uh, you were incredibly aggressive in making sure that we had all of our debt paid off and and i think that 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 forward thinking makes any transition easier because you're not you're not backed into a corner so to speak financially yeah. um, so when you have less when you have less fixed expenses on a month in month month out basis it gives you a little more flexibility to to quit your six figure job <laughs> to, 
quit your six-figure job without a plan. Like, if we're being really honest, right? I think, so that's more tactical stuff. I would say on a, how do you manage on like an emotional level? It's remembering your why and remembering what's really important to you. So if we go back to, I think a theme throughout this whole episode has been like focusing on happiness as being a really important value between us of wanting to see the other person happy. Um, that in moments where maybe we were not eating out or whatever, where I was getting all the groceries or something, it was easier because I knew the why behind it. Right. It was for the sake of our happiness, for the sake of my happiness as an individual, which then fed our happiness as a couple. Right. Doesn't mean there's not moments of frustration. There will be, but you know, the um, there's always going to be ups and there's always going to be downs in any relationship, and there's always a lot of stuff in between. And um, when I look at the little things like you know, oh well, I'm frustrated because we can't go out to go out to eat. Okay, well mm-hmm. that's a that's really not a up or a down. That's just an in between, right? That's really not all that significant in the grand scheme of life. Um, but you being happy is actually an up in the grand scheme of things. What do you, don't you call me the emotion? You said I'm the emotional barometer for the family or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I think the you emotional. and Talia might be fighting for that title right now, but because <laughs> as our child goes, it seems the rest of the house might, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but Yes, uh, for sure, and and certainly in the at that point in in our lives and relationship, you were much more the emotional barometer for yeah. our household. Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. True story. Nate, let me ask you this: Did you have to become a better golfer because golf balls are expensive? So <laughs> you had to hit less of them into hazards and water, I assume. Um, I don't know that I became a better golfer because golf balls are expensive. <laughs> I, I started investing in better golf balls as I got better at golf. Because <laughs> you were losing them less frequently. I don't even think he was golfing at that point. I wasn't. I've really only gotten into golf a lot over the last probably four years. But it did probably mean compromise in terms of how much hockey he was playing. True. You know, like, yeah. couldn't couldn't afford as many league fees, that's for sure. Yep. Turns out hockey is not a cheap sport. Neither is golf, as it uh, as it turns out. Neither is dance for for kids. <laughs> <laughs> All about Every, the expensive sports and activities. Everything is themselves. expensive. Yeah, why don't you just start playing? Uh, what's a really inexpensive one? I don't know, like beach volleyball. <laughs> yeah, just show up. But that can be expensive because it's usually at bars. Basketball is, I think, probably. But basketball or soccer, I think, could be among the among the yeah. lowest. And tennis too, maybe because like there's lots of courts. I don't know. Yeah, I go maybe. running. I think running is like the least expensive sport. Yeah, and it still costs me whatever for my shoes quarterly. So yes. yeah. See, that's that's a really costly sport emotionally because I am miserable <laughs> when running. <laughs> Absolutely miserable oh, when this. running. Okay, let me ask one more question. All right, um, feels like transition. <laughs> veered off course here a little bit. Oh yeah, well. I blame Rami. Absolutely. I'm a poor navigator. Let me ask you one more transition question. How do you encourage, support a partner to pursue additional education if that's what they think they want or want? I can remember a time when you wanted to go back for your master's. That time passed. Yeah. That time blasted. (laughs) Yeah. But I was very encouraging. Or even right now, like if you... 
you just do like you just say go for it but you let it be their choice on if they want to yeah or how are you with me with the coaching certification i think it it becomes i think it's a nice way to summarize a lot of the things that we've talked about right like it boils down to understanding the why right yeah um being mindful of why it's important to your partner and then talking a lot both about the um the emotional side of things, right, in 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 the 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 impetus or the reason behind it, but also the practical side, because it, even though it shouldn't be, education is ridiculously expensive in this country, um, and so that creates a lot of pragmatic uh, concerns or, or topics to discuss. Um, you know, we talked about it when I was considering getting a master's degree. We talked about it for you with coach. We talk about it with you for coaching certifications. It's a little easier now that you're running your business and you've yeah. paid for all of that out of there. But even even with that, I think we still talk about those expenses in a realistic way to say, okay, like if I do this, this is what it's going to mean. This is what it's going to cost, um, and this is what it might you know, make as a trade-off for us. Yeah. Um, I think coach certification was maybe a good example because I wasn't quite where I needed to be from a profitability perspective in my business. So it was like making the trades to understand, oh, this might mean that we have to delay that landscaping project because if you use all of your money from your business to go pay for this, you're not going to be contributing anything to our family to pay for a landscaping project. But then I think there's this element of support that maybe we're not focusing on. So how to encourage and support a partner to pursue additional education. Nee was also very supportive, whether it's education or just like a dream that they really want to have. There have been different times in our lives where we've had to take on different roles in our family. So I think about when I was going for my coach certification, I was flying out to California three times a year. We had a young child at that point. I had to do a lot of reading and studying on the weekends. And so Nate took over more on the food prep front and like keeping our family fed, literally. (laughs) And then I go back in time to when Nate and I were very big into Ironmans. There was a year where I trained for Ironman Madison and again, he was kind of like more. It was head. just us and the dogs at that point. Yeah, but it was like he had to take care of food on the weekends, keeping the house clean, etc. And then there was a trade-off when he went to train for Ironman. Right. So encouraging and supporting them, not just in like talking through the practically, tactically, financially, how are we going to do this, but also talking through and communicating your support in terms of taking on more responsibility to make that possible for them to pursue that dream. If that's something that's important to them. And uh, being really candid, don't be surprised if you don't think of everything when you have the first conversation, cause you won't uh, <laughs> like, I guarantee you when, when uh, I came home, I think it was, I came home from hockey uh, and you had been sitting on the couch and you're like, Okay, I have to tell you something, and it's something I want to do, and you're going to think I'm uh, crazy for it. And you're like, I want to do an Ironman. And I think at that point, you hadn't even done a sprint try. No. I had ran a marathon, but I did not know how to swim 2.4 miles, and I... There's no way I had biked over 100 miles right. before that. <laughs> and I believe my – you asked me what I thought, and I believe my immediate response was, I think you're fucking nuts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you're like, no, really, what do you think? And I'm like, yeah, well, well okay, if this is what you want to do, we'll figure it out, right? So, like, we definitely did not have all of the answers of, like – 
hey, I'm going to need to go for a five-hour bike ride on Saturdays, so... Can you clean the house? Can you make sure that the laundry's done and that food is ready for the week and, like, everything's folded and put... Like, yeah, no, we didn't have that level of conversation beforehand. It's It's got to be a, a consistent process and, and a consistent sort of undertone for the entirety of, of that transition in order for it to really work out. Um, yeah. you, you've got to constantly be in communication and constantly talking to one another. Which we'll talk about more in the next episode in terms yes. of how we do that constant communication. There you go. Yes. Um, I'll give my piece of advice here. Yeah. When my wife wanted to get her MBA. I just joined her. <laughs> yes. Hey. And I love that you guys did that. That's, that's awesome. so cool. It's certainly. So that's, also, that's also an option. That, that's, that's certainly an approach. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Okay. So we're going to have another episode. We'll talk about other things. I want to do like a very quick, I took some notes here, high level recap. I think in terms of communication, I think Nate said it best. If you, if your focus is that you want your partner to be happy, then always approach any issues that they're bringing stress, um, discontent with work, whatever it is from that perspective and, and make sure that's where you start. And I think if that's where you're always starting and that's your North star, then I think that helps you get uh, a lot further across. Um, the weather report I think is interesting. So if you're having a rough day, letting your partner know ahead of time so that they're prepared, whether that is with a bottle of wine or ice cream or just prepared for conversation, I think, uh, is really helpful for them to be ready for that being, I think all my notes here continue to say happy. So I would just say, focus on, focus on their happiness. And if you start with that and that's what your goal is, then I think a lot of this comes from a good place in terms of how to communicate and how to work through transitions. Uh, that's my recap. Is there anything else you guys want to throw on there before we wrap up for this week? I don't think so. Mm-mm. I'm so really perfect. Lucky. That's all. I, <laughs> Me too. I, I'm kind of awesome. Is basically he is kind of yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so with that, uh, we'd love for you guys to connect with us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and maybe tell us like, are there are there secrets you guys have? Secrets? Are there uh, things that work really well for you guys around communication or, or supporting through transitions that would be helpful for us? We'd love to hear it. Um, with that, I've been Rami. I've been Shannon. And I'm still Nate. (laughs) Yes, and this is Workplace Hugs. Thanks for listening.